Thanks for tuning into the A Champion's Mind podcast. I'm your host, Mario Ariave. Today, I've got an interview with Michael Hernandez, 20-year-old rider riding for the development team, Aovolo cycling team. And in this interview, he just, Michael shares so much wisdom. You wouldn't think he was 20 because some of the things he talks about, his mindset, the way he views things, the way he views setbacks, the way he views failure, the way he views successes even, just jives so well with really and truly an individual who's got a mindset that I believe is going to take him places. And as you listen to this interview, you're going to see that Michael already has gone some pretty cool places at just 20 years of age. So anyhow, I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Today I'm here with Michael Hernandez, cyclist for CCB. Michael, thank you so much for taking some time out and being on the podcast. No problem. My pleasure. Awesome. So let's go ahead and get started. Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, I'm 19 years old. I'm a competitive cyclist, and uh, I get to pretty much travel the world racing my bike in the U.S. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing this since 2010, so it's kind of a passion that I've fallen in love with uh, in my early teens. And, yeah, I mean, like anything, it's had its ups and downs. Awesome. So how did you, you alluded to it a little bit, how did you get started in the sport? Um, I got started by uh, my brother, actually. He was, he decided to start swimming at the, uh, we have a national training center where I live, and uh, he started swimming there, and somebody there got him into triathlons, and then uh, I started the triathlons to lose weight for football and baseball, which I was playing at the time, and then uh, I just started the cycling part, and I was like, well, I don't like swimming competitively, and I'm really not a fan of running, but I really enjoy riding my bike, and I enjoyed riding my bike more than I enjoyed practicing for football and baseball, so that kind of just stuck, and I just pretty much just sent it and hoped for the best, and started to win some little races near the house, and things like that, and it just kind of built from there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I've heard quite a bit of people, they get into triathlon, so they get exposure to three mm. different sports and swimming and biking and running, and they end up liking the bike the best. And that's how mm. they, you know, that's how they end up kind of getting into cycling. So very, very cool. Um, Michael, so, you know, you say that you're doing this competitively and I'll go ahead and, and, you know, I know Michael personally. And so I'm going to say that he was, he was humble when he said that he is a competitive cyclist. He's a very competitive cyclist and he's very good at what he does, as you guys will see as we continue in the interview here. But, um, Michael, there, there seems like there was a point here where, so you're riding and you're enjoying some sort of success and, and winning some races and things like that. Talk a little bit about when you started to kind of maybe realize that, this cycling thing was actually something that you were going to try to take pretty far uh, and see how how well you can do in it and how high up you can get in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of levels. I think it was in 2011. Uh, it was my first year that I went to national championships, and uh, I ended up placing third in the time trial and then also sixth in the road racing crit. And I was 14 at the time, but uh, for me, like, that was my first time racing outside of Florida. And that was like, I was speechless at the end, even though like I didn't win anything, but I was still on the podium with the nation's best. And I was like, wow, I can actually do this. I could, I could really do this. And so after that, I just started training harder. And later that year, uh, I got contacted by the 
Slipstream Craddock team that you were a part of and um, just being on that team with those guys, I was like, this is what cycling's about and this is what a real team is about. And I just fell in love with the environment. Awesome. So let's talk about the mindset there. Was there – so you're you're there, right? Um, you talk about the national championships as being a just unbelievable experience for you where – you know, you, you feel that you were kind of, you hadn't ever mm-hmm. raced outside of Florida and it was just a huge undertaking for you, yet you met it with, obviously you met it with some success. The mindset there, the shift, once you got contacted by the Slipstream-Cratic team and all of a sudden this is becoming kind of more real, like, did you have to shift your mindset? Did you have to look at and approach things differently when, you know, these things started happening? Yeah, kind of uh, with my mindset towards cycling is kind of when I started, uh, like, contemplating, like, what's, what am I going to prioritize in my life? Like, is this going to come first? Is is school going to come first still? Or And at that point, I was still kind of too young to, like, tell my parents, yeah, I don't really want to go to school, like, full time and start the whole online thing. <laughs> So uh, I was kind of trying to handle both, but um, I think that team definitely helped me grow up. And when you're a young guy racing with a bunch of older guys, you kind of try to just follow their lead. And mentally, it just like it was it was rough sometimes, like because I just wasn't as mature physically or mentally as these older guys were, who are 18 and I'm 14. Then like we got guys like Greg Daniels who were on the team and winning races like Tour de Bose now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely, definitely a big awakening, I would say. Yeah. Awesome. Um, was there, even, even at that age, did you feel a little bit of, I guess, stress or pressure trying to handle? So, I mean, you're 14, 15 years old, so you're in, you're in high Mm -hmm. school. Um, did you feel, a little bit of stress or pressure there trying to trying to balance the high school thing and the cycling um my mom is a third grade teacher so like she's always pressed going to school very much and uh i've my my brother sister and i we've always succeeded in school in the classroom pretty pretty handedly and uh with the school they they the school board uh knows my mom and they were actually very lenient with letting me miss school sometimes to go to races and letting me make up work. So the stress there wasn't super high, but it was definitely something that if I could have just like early on just decided to go to online like I did my last two years of high school, I think would have benefited me earlier in my career. But I'm not going to complain that that's like it, it worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, you know, I think there's a little bit of tension there um, for for anybody that's looking to, you know, ultimately go professional in any kind of sport. Um, I'm not saying, you know, and I and I want to preface this. Uh, I was a school teacher for 10 years myself, so I'm not I'm not saying that school is bad. Um, it's just like anything. Uh, it could be family that's in there. It could be work or anything else when you're trying to balance you know, yeah. the the sport aspect, the athletic aspect of your life with anything else, uh, w- the more serious you get and the more serious you decide to take that sport and the more time you decide to put into that, the more that you start to look at the other areas of your life and think to yourself, you know, these have got to give a little bit. And so 
you know, that's why I asked that question. I think it's good that um, that you had to have that balance mm-hmm. and you had to figure that out because all of a sudden now that you're you're not currently enrolled in school, yeah, right? No, I'm taking some time off of that. Yeah, and so now that you're taking time off, do you feel that since you had to do the schooling thing for a while and now you're not, it's just yeah, it's kind of it, like a what just weight is taken off my shoulders of like I'm not constantly just like. Well, I got to get this done. I got to get this done, and then I got to go ride, and then I got to go train, and I got to do all the off the bike things, and then I'm still trying to recover and rest and eat right, and just your schedule opens up a little bit more, and you have more time to focus on what you're trying to do, what you're committed to doing. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, I think you know it, it's it's a difficult season, it's a difficult time right there when you're doing mm-hmm. both, uh, but I think there's def- there are definitely some things that you can learn, and then once you continue to move forward then when that when that schooling aspect isn't mm-hmm. there that could really be something where you can take that life experience and you can apply it to uh, other areas to benefit mm-hmm. you so let's uh let's shift gears a little bit here tell us about so obviously you you know you're you're doing this thing you're you're diving in with uh you know head first into this and so you've got to have some people on your team right you've got to have some people that are supportive of you and so who have those people been that have been the most supportive of you going after this goal of, you know, ultimately you want to be a professional cyclist. Like you want to be, this is what you want your, your job to be. Um, I mean, most importantly is my parents. They've given up a lot of things to send me to races and take me to races. And my first year racing, my first real year racing, my mom and I went to every single local race in Florida every weekend throughout the season. And the Florida season goes from the end of January to the end of October. So almost every weekend she was in the car driving me to a race, and that just isn't – you just can't, like, think that enough because if I didn't have that start to it, I don't think I would have ever fallen in love with the sport just because the exposure to racing I had my first year was, wow, I had no idea this whole community existed. And then my mom helped me get involved in that community. And then uh, also my coach – He's been my coach since 2011, and uh, James McConnell out of Florida. He's just been nothing but supportive, always looking for what's the best for me and uh, reaching out to people to help me when he can't and things like that. It's just been ridiculously overwhelming uh, in terms of support. And then also uh, a big supporter of mine that helped me a lot is uh, Toby Stanton from Hot Tubes, the director there. He's he still is helping me with things for the future and where I should take my sport, like my career and where uh, where he thinks I could strive. So just big support from there, too. Yeah, good, good. Uh, I want to I want to hammer this point home a little bit uh, because you're a young man, you're 19 years old. And so any young people that are listening, I want to make sure we get this. Could you be where you are right now without the support of these folks? No. Okay. I'm asking you, you you know, because I wanted I wanted everyone to hear that answer. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, the the culture, um, some folks in our culture push this self made mm-hmm. type of a label where you know we 
we create our own success and, and I got myself here and I don't owe anybody mm-hmm. anything and that kind of mentality. I just wanted to make sure, because you're a great example of that, you've had some great people in your corner that have that have helped you along the way and have supported you. Ultimately, yes, you're pedaling the bike and, you know, that, that you're the one that's crossing mm-hmm. the line first in your races. But, you know, for example, without your mom driving you to the race, you don't get yeah. to the race. Without your director from Hot Tubes giving you a chance on Hot Tubes, well, you don't exactly. have a team. You know, without your coach, you don't have a training plan. So I just wanted to make sure that we were clear on that because the support system is really, really important. And, you know, I think it's important to have a grateful attitude towards those folks. And, and, and don't forget mm-hmm. those folks, right, because they are a big part of the reason why we're able to do some of the things that we do. And so, um, yeah, so excellent, excellent point there. Um, I don't want to call anybody out, so we don't need to, you know, we don't need to throw any names out there. But on the other side of that, I do want to address quickly here. Um, did you have some folks that doubted your ability to do what you are doing right now or to get to the level that you are right now or even the level that you want to be? So have you had anybody like that? Um, I mean, there's definitely people that have been in my past. Nobody really just comes to mind that's like, 100% just shot me down, like, oh, you'll never make it, you don't have what it takes. Um, I've had people, like, in races and outside of races, just, like, negativity towards me and towards, like, how I do things, and um, just in certain ways, they try to, like, put me down, and I kind of just let those people roll off my shoulders and not really worry about them, and you think about the people, on the other hand, who support you, and you outweigh those the people who support you with the people that bring you down and usually end up coming out pretty pretty good. Yeah. So you jumped you actually jumped forward to the next question. I was gonna ask you, you know, how you dealt with those with those folks that are negative. And the reason why I'm asking that is because when you know, when when you have somebody as driven as yourself, mm-hmm. a lot of times the things that you're gonna say and the things that you're doing to get to your goals they don't resonate with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And you and I spoke a little bit about this before we got on here to do this podcast. We spoke about the fact that really what you're doing is not really normal. So in the normal, uh, you know, American culture, you know, normal is get a job, clock in, mm-hmm. clock out, this kind of thing. You want to be a professional cyclist. It's like, well, what is it? What does that mean? And you've got all these things lined up. And so when people start seeing you doing these things, when they start hearing you talk a certain way about you wanting to do certain things and win certain races and you're racing in Europe mm-hmm. and you ultimately want to get a pro contract and all that, they're looking at you like, I mean, that that's not normal. Yeah. Like he just to get a most job. Most people don't even know what, what it means. School. Like most people in America right. are like, what, what? Okay, you're pedaling a bicycle. Right. Right. And so, you know, um, there, there are going to be folks that are going to, that are going to be negative and are not necessarily maybe going to believe that you're going to get there. And so I just wanted to address that question just to tell us, you know, you let the listeners know how you deal with that. Essentially, yeah, I mean, about- the, the main thing I can tell everybody in any sport really is just let your, let your results and let, like, for me, I let my legs do the talking. Like I try, I try to avoid conflict with people because it just gives yourself a bad image when you're constantly on Facebook arguing with this guy about this or whatever. I just let my legs do the talking and the result speaks for itself. Yeah, I've um I've I've used this with some athletes before. I've told them, you know, you have a certain amount of mental energy uh that you can expend um on on a particular day. Mm-hmm. 
And so you have a certain amount of that. Now, if you choose to expend some mental energy dealing with negative people because, you know, you go ahead and make a comment back to them or you respond, like you said, you use Facebook, you know, you, 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 you respond to a Facebook post. It doesn't seem like a lot, but you just took a little bit of mental energy that you now don't have to expend on your training for mm-hmm. that day or on your recovery or on your sleep or on, you yeah. know, just a bunch of other different things where you really need to have a sharp mindset in order to be able to pour into those things. And so, you know, the less attention that you can give those folks, the better. And the last thing I'll say to this before we move on is ultimately the only person that needs to be convinced of the fact that you can do this is really you at the end of the day. And so we need, we do need a support system. I think that's important. Some people don't necessarily have a big support system and they're not as fortunate as you to have those people. And so ultimately sometimes we are left standing alone. And as long as you are the only one that believes in yourself, then you have you have the ability to achieve that goal. And so, you know, at the end of the day, the only one standing is is you and it's what you think about yourself that ultimately is going to propel you towards whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. And so, um, Michael, talk to us. So you're on a journey here. Mm-hmm. I would call it a journey. You're, you're moving up, yep. right? You started young and here we are and you're moving up and, and you're still really young, by the way. I was like, <laughs> man, I was just amazed at how young you still are. But Talk to us about some things you've learned along this journey thus far. Uh, one thing I've learned is, like, in this sport more than most other sports I've played, you're going to have really good days, and then you're also going to have really bad days. Cycling is definitely one of the sports that you don't have. You can't be good all the time. Just it's not uh, my coach. He used to play semi-professional basketball, and he made a great point where, he said that if his free throw was off, he would just go into the gym for six hours and work on his free throw. If you have a bad ride, going and riding for six more hours is usually not the answer <laughs> to getting better. Right. So there's so many factors in cycling that are, I would say, not unique just to cycling, but unique to most endurance sports um, that just you have to take into account when you're thinking about like you know well is this what I want to do it's like well uh, I had a bad race I don't know if I'm like if I'm worthy or if I'm ever going to be good enough I haven't had a good national championships since 2011 just that time of the year I guess hasn't really suited me well so like you just take the ups with the downs right right take I'll tell you what take me to a day Take take us to a race where it was one of these days where everything just clicked, nothing could go wrong. Take us to one of those days. Give us an example of one of those in your I would career. I'd say that far. day for me that stands out that I could just do no wrong would be uh, 2014, the Saturday night race at Tulsa Tough. And uh, it was just – I ended up winning the race and uh, – just all day, I felt like my legs just didn't fatigue at all. Like, from the gun, I attacked, got caught, and then 13 minutes into the crit, I attacked again with one other guy, and we were gone for about 20 minutes. And then we got pulled back. I sat in for four laps, went up the road again with six guys, and the six <laughs> of us, we stayed away to the finish line. And for those laps, I, I, I just knew I was the, like, strongest one there on that day. I just, like, couldn't be beat. I, like, I just mentally, 
I was just like, I'm not losing today. And yeah, so, yeah. like, the entire break, I'm just attacking and attacking and attacking. One of your teammates, um, Adam Mills, he was in the breakaway with me, and that was my first introduction to him. And he's, like, he's a very experienced uh, cyclist himself, and he just, like, kept coming up to me, like, just relax, you're the strongest one here, and you're probably going to win, but you're just burning so many <laughs> matches. And to me, I was 16, and I was like, oh, I got so many matches, it's not a problem. So I just kept going and going and going, and then it just worked out. But in, like like you said, like I just felt like I could do whatever I, whatever I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Those days are, yeah, those days are great. And so, man, that's, uh, yeah, that was awesome listening to that story. And I know that that race on Saturday night out there at Tulsa, I know that that's a, that's a really mm-hmm. fun race with a fun atmosphere. So that's definitely a good one mm-hmm. to win. Um, I'm going to ask you on the, on the other side of this, have you, and this is just a yes, no question. We don't need to ponder negative stuff, but have you had days where it's the opposite? You feel like you can't do anything right. I mean, it's just legs are bad. Circumstances are bad. I mean, have you had any of those? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like we talked about the race in Canada, it was just like that. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that leads me to this follow-up question. Would you say, in your experience so far, would you say that most days in competition, they're somewhere in the middle where it's essentially kind of a work with what you've got on that day type of a day where your legs don't necessarily feel like they're untouchable? But then again, everything's not falling apart around you either, and it's not the worst day you've ever had. So would you say that most of them are characterized somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I would definitely say this is this is a sport where you're, you're mediocre in your fitness for most of the time and then you have your really good days and then you have your really bad days but for the most part it's you're in the middle and you work with what you got and then sometimes you can make what you got really successful so yeah what's what's the because there's a there's a way to handle that that's you know the best approach what's what's the way to handle that you've got you just wake up Legs aren't great, but they're not terrible, and you're out there and you're racing. I mean, how do you approach um, that? When when I wake up and my like and I'm like start a race and my legs aren't feeling the best, I kind of just wait it out a little bit and hope that you know with a couple laps or an hour or two go by in a road race that maybe they'll open up a little and uh, feel a little bit better, and then you go you go you know you you send an attack up the road and. You're kind of like, wow, well, I feel a little bit better than I thought. And then you, you just push through that. And, you know, sometimes it just comes down to the grit of how hard are you willing to go and what are you willing to push your body through. And that's kind of where, like, I think most people are is in when you win a bike race, it's not necessarily that you were the best guy that day. It was just you you were willing to go way deeper than everybody else. Yeah, um, and you mentioned I was I was listening for buzzwords. You mentioned grit, and so I was listening to see if that came out. You mentioned you know mental toughness is another one that gets thrown out there a lot. But yeah, I mean I think that you know you're you just got to stay in there. You've got to stay in the present moment and take each moment as it comes. If if the legs don't feel good, maybe in hour number one, mm-hmm. that's where you are right now. So when we get to hour number two, we'll figure it out. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, being a cyclist myself, I, I've experienced it myself and I've seen it a lot where it's one of those things where all of a sudden the legs start to feel better. Mm-hmm. And and that is not 
necessarily a physiological principle because your physiology doesn't change during yeah. a race. If nothing else, it actually gets worse because you're getting mm-hmm. tired. And so that has to be a mental it has to be a mental principle. It has to be a mental principle where you've just stayed in the fight long enough to where you give yourself that confidence. Now everybody, sure, sure, sure. And so you mentioned uh, you mentioned a teammate of yours that you had when you were on the Slipstream Cratic uh, team. You mentioned Greg Daniel, and Greg Daniel recently just won the national the elite national championships here for mm-hmm. the U.S. And you know I read an article on him where late in the race he just he just decided to attack the breakaway that he was in and he said he didn't feel great but but he gave it a shot just to see what would happen and lo and behold he solos into the finish and so you know it it really is uh it comes down to a lot of the mindset it's you know that maybe you haven't been dealt the best cards in terms of how your legs Mm -hmm. feel but hey we're going to try and make the best of this as we can and if at the end of the day we weren't able to make something good of what we were given at least we tried our mm-hmm. best. Uh, and then sometimes we, we do actually, you know, come out with a result. And we are actually able to battle through some difficult circumstances to get there. So uh, I, I think that's important for the listeners to know because I think a lot of times if they see somebody just killing it in a race, they're thinking to themselves, man, that person must feel unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, the person doesn't necessarily feel yeah. like extra special that day um it really is a mindset yeah, i mean you know? for, for an so. example i'm not gonna say his name but i have a teammate who he can he can ride himself into such a hole but he like knows what how deep he can go and he'll go there and something with him is he if he doesn't get the result that he's hoping for he's bummed out about it and i i constantly try to remind him like dude you rode hard today like you got to find this is a sport in any elite sport. Like you have to be able to find uh, some confidence in just how your performance, even if you didn't get the final end result, if getting that performance during your event, just being able to say, yeah, I did that. I attacked here. I, I was solo for this long. I might not have won the race, but I, I did it. And that I think you should be able to find some confidence in on those days that you're kind of under the weather. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's times where I've thought to myself, if we did this same race tomorrow, and if I raced it the same exact way that I did today, then the scenario would play mm-hmm. out completely different, mm-hmm. you know, and it would be completely different, and it would, it, maybe the person wouldn't, you know, chase yeah. me down, or maybe, you know, I would make it into that breakaway, or maybe, it's just, so, yeah, I mean, it it's short hits and misses, and as you go up the ladder and as you go getting more into the elite ranks and ultimately professional ranks, it's more about just very small differences that make a huge Mm -hmm. difference at the end of an event. And so, um, yeah. Uh, talk to me, talk to me a little bit about this. Was there, was there a point early on where you felt like maybe this kind of wasn't necessarily something feasible for you in terms of, continuing to go on this journey of being a pro cyclist um, in 2011 i would say was my biggest like kind of awake not awakening but uh kind of like shock to me of like is this something i still want to keep doing um i had a really bad accident in 2011 early in the year and uh smashed up my face and was in the hospital for five days 
and it was kind of one of those things. Like, I don't remember what happened exactly. I uh, spaced out, but I woke up in the trauma center, and, like, all I remember is that my face was cut up. I never saw what I looked like. I had no nose. My lips were shredded. My tongue was shredded. And, like, my mom's my mom's sitting there right next to me, and uh, the first thing I ask her is, is my bike okay? <laughs> and uh, that was kind of one of the things that's, like, like people there were like, oh, he's never going to ride his bike again. Because I was 13, and, like, for a 13-year-old, that was a pretty big accident. And it's still something that I'm still dealing with the medical repercussions from that with dental things and uh, facial construction, things like that. So it was definitely a upset uh, in terms of my season, but that was kind of the rise after the fall was kind of where I realized this is what I'm going to do. Just because that's where I got my coach came into the hospital room and said, uh, came into the hospital bed next to me and said, if you want to go to nationals, I will get you ready. And he got me ready and I got a third place. And he, within yeah. three months, he coached me from laying in a hospital bed to on the podium at nationals. And that's kind of been my journey with him started off really well. And so, yeah, that would be the, the awakening of where, well, this might not work out, but then the rise from that is where. Sure. Yeah, it's, you know, um, it's interesting when you look back on things, how sometimes when an event or a circumstance brings you to your lowest point, that's actually what propels you to get to your, mm -hmm. that actually propels you and gets your trajectory going up mm -hmm. uh, in a way, in a way that could not have possibly happened mm -hmm. had things been any different. And so, you know, hypothetically, we can go back and go, if he wouldn't have had that accident, would he be where he is right mm -hmm. now? And we'll never know that, yeah. right? I mean, we'll never know. But, but, you know, you took a terrible circumstance and a terrible event and you were able to look at it in a way to that you used it, you know, to your advantage. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important. And I think that's the reason why you've been able to be so successful to this point is it's the, it, it's, it's a negative thing that happened to you, but let's choose to look at it differently because the bottom line is we can't change the fact that you were in mm -hmm. that accident, but Hey, if we can change the way that we look at it and use it to our advantage so that we can go on and be successful. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite thing about being an aspiring pro cyclist i think my favorite thing is all the relationships i get to make along the way every day i'm introduced to new people from a new background from a new uh new scenario in their life and new place where they are and i get to take that into account with where i am and there it's kind of crazy that we all have the same goal and all of us are coming from a different place looking at it from a different perspective but trying to get to the same place. Yeah, that is pretty neat. So, and I know that, so you've, I mean, you've traveled quite a mm -hmm. bit, right? So you just came back from Canada. You've done some racing over in Europe. Mm -hmm. And so you've got a lot of experiences and a lot of different people that you've met. And I think that's awesome. And, you know, there's that community as well, mm -hmm. right? So with these relationships, you're, you're rubbing shoulders with people that are trying to do the same thing as you. And I think that that's important mm -hmm. because, um, we're not isolating the struggle. So when your training and your dip and your competition gets hard, when life on the road gets hard, when all of these things just start piling up, 
it's it's comforting to look over at the guy sitting next to you in the van or the guy that you're lining up with at the race and go, you know, he's going mm. through the same thing that I am. I'm not alone here. Uh, I'm tired of living in a hotel, but so is he. And so, you know, that makes it a little bit easier for you to continue to move forward, right? Because let's face it, I mean, what you're trying to do is definitely not yeah. easy. And so um, on the other side of that, what would you say is the hardest thing about being a an aspiring pro cyclist? Um, I would say the hardest thing is uh, the constant just, like, getting up and just realizing, wow, I have a hard ride I have to do today. And not even necessarily at racing, because the racing is definitely one of the more fun parts about the sport, like competing with other people. But when you have to get up and you're like, it's either A, really cold outside, or B, raining, or C, like blistering hot. And you're like, well, I got to go out and do a four-hour ride with efforts today. And you're just like, just the mental aspect of that is just, you know, it can put people down. And that's kind of, I think, where like some people make it and some people don't is who's willing to go do that four hour training ride in the rain. Who's willing to go out in the middle of the day when they have to and go put in the time. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm not on the, I'm not on the professional side of things. I'm right on the line of an amateur professional. And it's funny when you get around circles and you start talking to people, um, you know, you've got your athletes such as yourself that are able to put in, so, you know, for those listening, just to give you guys a little bit of context, I mean, Michael is putting in, you know, consistent 20-hour weeks on the bike and just riding a ton. And it's funny when you talk to people who have jobs or other commitments, they say comments like, sure, I mean, if I, yeah, if I didn't have a time, job yeah. like Michael did, then I could, be, I could be pro. And if I had the time, I'd do 20 hours a week. And I always turn to them and I always say, I don't know that you would, and I don't tell them that they wouldn't because I'm not going to put that on mm -hmm. them, but I look at them and I go, I don't know that you would because here's the deal. Even though this is all that, quote unquote, all that Michael has to do on a particular day, it still is a huge stress. Mm -hmm. It is hard. It's not easy. And so, you know, it, it does. It, it grinds on you and it, it ends up wearing you down and you have to have resilience there and you have to have a mindset of being persistent in order to take on the day-to-day -day training uh, that somebody like Michael has to go through in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, and, and you're right. I think that's where some folks kind of tap out and say, I, I don't, you know, I can't mm -hmm. do this. Um, this is just, this is too much. And so, um, yeah. So good point there. Good point. Um, let's let's finish off with words of advice. Do you have anything that you'd want to say to anybody that's listening to this podcast? Um, something I definitely want everybody to say or tell everybody is just like, no matter what the sport is, just through the bad times, just stick with it. It'll eventually. After every every valley, there's a mountain. So uh, you might have to walk up the mountain, but. Once you get to the top, you're going to be really happy that you stuck through it. Perfect. Absolutely. I think you're, I think you're in, you know, if, if people think that, you know, if, if anyone listening to this thinks that they're not going to come across hard times in, in terms of trying to reach a lofty goal, like being a professional cyclist or a professional in whatever sport mm -hmm. it is that you participate in, if that's what you're thinking, then you're, you're in for a surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, 
one of two things is happening there. If you don't ever reach any adversity on your way to your goals, then either your goals are not high enough, so you've got some pretty easy mm-hmm. goals that, you know, you can achieve without having to get uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, you, you need to, you need to be expecting that. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to know that that's going to come about. And so, um, I know that you alluded to it earlier with your support system, but any sponsors or anybody else that you'd like to thank? Yeah, I'd definitely like to thank, uh, everybody that makes CCB possible. They definitely gave me a home for this year. And, uh, also again with my parents, big thank you to them. And then with my coach and, uh, also Toby and every other program that I've been a part of to get me where I am. It's all just been a ladder journey up everything. Just every year, you know, every year has its ups and downs, but every year itself gets better. So. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to send a, when your parents listen to this, I'm going to send a shout out to your parents. I hope y'all are doing well. You guys have raised a fantastic young man here in Michael. So thank you guys for that. Uh, Michael, yes. where, so if people now know about you, right, <laughs> if they didn't before, where can they go? Give us some places they can go to find out, you know, more about or keep up with you and your team and all that kind of, um, sort of stuff. My Facebook is a very good place to find out what we're doing. And the CCB Racing Facebook page is always up to date with all our races and what we're doing. And then also uh, our Twitter and uh, Instagram is all or the team Instagram isn't really up to date, but our Twitter is always working. So, uh, okay. The Twitter, the Twitter feed for CCB. Yes. And also mine and, uh, yeah, mine and CCB are usually up to date. My social media is quite a big part of, I think social media is a big part of any big sport being able to get your name out there. Yeah. And it allows us to keep up with you. So awesome. Well, Michael, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for taking time out of your thank busy you schedule. Uh, we're we're doing this early in the morning, yeah. right, so that you can go out and get your oh, yeah. get your ride in for today. And so, uh, man, you know, it's been a pleasure doing thank this. You. And uh, you know, I, I wish you all the best on your journey. And we look forward to hearing some fantastic things from you here in the future. Thank you soon. very much. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate you, buddy. Have a good day. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Michael Hernandez. Just really good just a snapshot of you know what what would separate uh you know a young person from one trajectory with maybe just staying amateur or just kind of being on the lower levels of performance and really somebody who's decided at a young age to take their performance to the next level i'm not saying that either one of those paths is right or wrong what i am saying is that in order for a young man or young lady to mature themselves really before their years to be serious and to really take this thing professional. These are the kind of things, this is kind of the way that their mind has to be tracking because there's going to be, well, you're competing against older people for number for one who have been living life longer. So they've suffered more setbacks and they've kind of learned a little bit more how to navigate life. And here you are with maybe not as many experiences. So you've really got to get it together pretty quick. And, you know, when we look at young athletes, we find that sometimes those athletes don't necessarily want to make those decisions and come to that maturity at that point. And that's okay. And so their kind of development tends to stagnate a little bit and 
they tend to, you know, they'll compete at a lower level or maybe they'll just stop competing altogether and just realize that they just didn't want it that bad. And that's fine. But over here with Michael in this interview, we have an example of somebody who is serious, somebody who is wanting to make these sacrifices and push all their chips in the middle of the table and go all in. And man, it is just so exciting just listening to this interview myself, just hearing the answers to Michael's questions and seeing that he's not perfect, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that he's perfect and I'm not saying that he doesn't have his dark moments where his mindset is off, but for the most part, he knows what to think and he knows how he should act and he knows what he should do. And just following that, with consistency over time will lead them to success. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this interview. Last thing I want to say, if you guys like this podcast, hey, jump on and catch some of the other episodes that I've got. I have done a couple of series that have several podcasts. One of them was over John Wooden's Pyramid of Success, which I think would be really beneficial for you to jump on, download, and listen to all of those in that series. Also got some different interviews with some different folks. And then I've got some episodes where it's just me and I'm just talking about a specific particular something that I feel would be beneficial for you guys to listen to. So jump on there. If you don't want to miss anything, then go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, search a champion's mind and subscribe to that podcast. I've also got a Facebook page and a YouTube channel, both by the name utmost performance. And last but not least, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, I really want to work on developing, having a mindset like Michael's, like people that we see that are successful because there's a lot of things that successful people do the same when they think and they process information no matter what they're doing, then jump onto the website utmostperformance.info and you can find some more information about how to contact me and how we can get a partnership going so that I can help you to begin to mold this mindset so that we can begin to see your true potential you know, displayed in your performance. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day.